0: Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now? And find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create.
1: Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and this show is going to be all about sparkle. It's going to be all about empowering women to be the best that they can be. It's going to be about empowering us to share other amazing women who are doing incredible things on the planet right now. And this is the part that really excites me, too. We are also going to go back to the early 20th century, and we're going to talk about some amazing, powerful women who are just now getting recognized for the work and the contribution that they made back then. With me today is Leslie Zemeckis. And to say that she is an incredible power woman is an understatement. She is an award-winning author of several books. She's a documentarian. She is an actress. She is involved in so many different facets of female empowerment that it will make your head spin. And also, <laughs> she is a lover of all things burlesque and flamingos. Oh be still my heart. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Leslie. I'm really excited to have you on this week.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for asking me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Well, I just want to launch right into your empowerment challenge. Leslie has been a Facebook friend and recently she shared this empowerment challenge, challenging other people to share somebody who was doing something amazing, whether it was a singer-songwriter, like she just recently shared, or doing something else, challenging everybody who was on her feed to share one other person once a week to kind of get this good, happy vibe rolling and to lift up everybody. So, Leslie, would you like to talk a little bit more about that challenge and what inspired
2: you to start that? Well, I've been doing um on on all my social media be it Instagram, YouTube, whatever, um a weekly write for success to, um talking to best selling authors, screenwriters, songwriters, uh their writing tips to tell a story because I really do believe we all have stories and they can be told in many different ways. And so this was just a way to also look at these 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 writers were mostly women because that's what I am interested in from a different point of view, like how, how they do the writing and to empower people to tell their stories. And then I just thought as a challenge, you know, we all spend so much time promoting ourselves, which, you know, we have to do that. I thought, well, let's, you know, who, who, who can just, you know, do a shout out to an artist, a painter, a, sh- Uh, whatever it is saying you know look at this amazing person and turn people on to other people it's not just about us but it's more of a forward motion
1: I love that because it truly it truly is one of those things that we bring other people up you know by spreading our wings by pulling other people up we bring them up And then we can share their gifts with people who might not know them and they can touch so many other lives. So it's so easy to,
2: to just help somebody in that way, just saying, Hey, look at this person, look at this book, look at this song, look at this movie, whatever it is, and share something that doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily about you, but it might be what you're passionate about. Like I read everybody that I, um. I read their books, who who I have on this weekly thing, um, but I read a lot, and they're total bookworm, so.
1: I liked how you commented about stories. Stories and the different voice. There's so much going on in our world right now with racism, social injustices, And it's really all about voice, whose voice is being heard and whose voice is being suppressed. So I really appreciate that you distilled it down to voice and in particular, the female voice, which does tend to be suppressed.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's how my I mean, it evolved. But that's what all my body of work has been about since my first film to my books about these people a lot of their words and their point of view about what they did and their careers. So tell the listeners
1: a little bit about your background in entertainment and how that might have fostered, first of all, the knowledge that there were women in this industry whose voices weren't necessarily being heard.
2: Well, I'm an actress, and I was doing a one-woman show that was this character based on kind of Mae West and Gypsy Rose Lee. And um, so I started researching what that was and and what burlesque was. And there was nothing out there that said who these women were. It would tell about, it would talk about their acts. uh, And that was really it. And I thought, well, you know, this being the twenties and the thirties and the forties, what did their families think? How did they get into it? Whatever happened to them after that? And I, um, you know, it grew. I I met a a group of women that had been in burlesque and men. Mm -hmm. And I just one day said, I'm going to do this documentary. And so I spent two years with um, my producer, Sherry Hellard, and we went across the country interviewing everybody that we could that was still alive, you know, from 70, 80 to 90 year old and getting their stories. And. So we did the documentary, it played on Showtime forever. From that, because I, I had so many stories, I um, did a book.
1: I have to say that the book and the documentary are both phenomenal, and they're called Be, um, Behind the Burley Queue. Yeah, and you. yes, and I loved how. It's a very personal look at these women because you said that exact same thing. We hear about the apps. We hear about the name, but we don't know who these people were. And for the time, that was a pretty daring thing for these women to do.
2: Exactly. And it was really kind of heartbreaking to and uplifting to talk to these women. And they said, nobody ever asked us. Nobody's ever asked us. Wow. And and there was there was a couple of women, too, who had never told their children. Their 50-year-old children, and then they did, and they just, you know, I mean, the stories were incredible and wonderful, and they weren't doing anything wrong. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong, but there's still such this stigma on that art form.
1: Absolutely. And even though we've come a long way, even though there's less of a stigma, we've, you know, broken into that, kind of broken down some of that taboo, I find it interesting that even as adults with complete adult children, they were still hesitant
2: to share. Yeah. Yeah, because it was it was just so dismissed. And even when I was making it, people would say, oh, they were really prostitutes, right? Or they're in pornography. And like, no, not at all. No, I mean, it just doesn't even... Yeah, but that's what a lot of people think about burlesque when they hear burlesque.
1: So, have you always had an interest in burlesque, or was that something that you just kind of happened upon? And the oh, interest
2: really of- it just happened upon, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I knew okay. the comedians, you know, from watching old shows and hearing old things, but yeah, I had no idea and I didn't realize how pervasive it is. And it's really a, the foundation of a lot of our entertainment. If you look at Saturday Night Live, if you look at the acts that runs Donnie um, Carson, you know, it, that's all exactly what it is. It's burlesque. Right. And it's it absolutely.
1: Yes. I do find it interesting, too, that people still sometimes will say, oh, you're a stripper. No. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, yeah. No. Now, what about the response when people found out that you were writing this book about these women? Were you ever warned or cautioned that you don't want to go into
2: that because you don't want to associate yourself, be associated with that? No, not at all. Good. I mean, I think people, again, just kind of dismissed it. Oh, you know, that sounds interesting. But I mean, there was such a great response to the film that I think, you know, I mean, and, and the book got rave reviews, as did the film. It was just a part of history that, that, that wasn't touched.
1: No, no, you're right. And, and it's, most of them are
2: gone. I mean, there's a few that are still left that I interview, but most of them are gone.
1: So then after that book came out, you were kind of bitten by this bug to tell the stories of these women. And you've written several other books. And you're in the process of writing another one, aren't you?
2: I am, but it goes even further back. It's not, uh, well, it is about a woman who lived a life of burlesque, but it's not burlesque.
1: Okay. Well, let's go with your next book then. After Behind the Burly Queue, you were bitten with the bug, you were into this research. What did you write next? What happened after that?
2: Well, I actually wasn't. I was like, okay, I've done that. Check that off. You know, this is the definitive history of burlesque. It was. And then Lily Sincere, who happens to be sitting behind me, that's her. Yes. Um, her that's sister, true. who was married to Harold Mansky and she was also in Verlaz forever, she came to me because I, I had interviewed her for the film. And she said, Here's, here's this box of, of uh, papers on Lily. You have to write her story. And I'm like, I'm so not interested. I'm done everybody knows about Lily, blah, blah, blah. I mean, at least what there was to know. And then I, of course, got a little curious and, and nobody knew her story, which was incredible, 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 incredible. I mean, she was the first stripper in a, and I say stripper, just whatever. Right. Um, in, in a nightclub in Seattle, she was the first one in Las Vegas. She She performed in jewels and furs and made tons of money. Marilyn Monroe imitated her. She would follow her around clubs, Then you can see it in some little gestures. Um, so she was really kind of an icon. When I mean, she was playing at Ciro's on the Sunset Strip, all the stars came, and she had this little, like, it was called a poodle haircut, and Betty Davis said she went out and got her hair, like a little poodle haircut, like, Lily. after that. So she was really influential in a lot of ways that nobody knew about. Interesting. Yeah. And- what would have happened? Have you ever stopped to think about
1: what would have happened had you not been approached with this project? <laughs> her
2: history would have died. Completely. I mean, I taught she had, I can't remember right now because I had filled with facts. She had, I don't know, I'll say five husbands and her only remaining husband that was still alive, who was 88. I would call him and talk to him and everybody was so generous because they just thought she was so interesting and he was this Italian man, 88. We would talk all the time. And then one day he says, Leslie, if I was six months younger, I said, Armando, if you were six months younger, I would let you. <laughs> you know, it just these like you call characters. And yet everybody that she touched, their lives were also in our pop culture. Like this Armando, he started, and I can't remember It was a big Italian restaurant in New York in the 70s where uh, Jackie Kennedy came and uh, Gloria Vanderbilt. So it's, you know, it's like I would say six degrees of separation Hmm. will lead you to a burlesque somehow.
1: Interesting. Uh, That's I'm sure that is absolutely true. And it's interesting when you talk about the pop culture, because the history we do know is pop culture kind of according to men. We do know who the restaurant tycoons were, who the business tycoons were, who the male stars were. But I'm so, I'm so thankful that people like you have been there to start telling the stories of these women. Because yes, it is all burlesque. It still
2: is all burlesque. And that would have been lost. Yeah. And they're interesting. I mean, they just led, you know, because of the times also, they've led really different lives. I mean, everybody I think that I have written about could completely just change their identity. And you could do that back then. Like, you know, I, I had I had documents that Lily signed, and that wasn't even her legal name, but like her, the deed to our house, and it was misspelled. You know, I mean... Really? but you could just say, which always makes the research much harder because you have to you know, look under her real name and then what was her performing name and then what was the variation of that. But it's also so um, fulfilling when you find those threads and you can connect them. Right. right. So they, almost- these people just invented themselves how they wanted to be and how they wanted to live, which we, in a way we can't do today.
1: You're right. I mean, we've got way too much history. We've got way too much social yeah. proof as to who we are. Yeah. Yeah. So then what came after the Lily Sincere book?
2: Um, okay, I'm like, wait, I don't know. what? Because I always <laughs> do it, a film, a book, a film, a book. Um, my second film, and I think I was doing them kind of at the same time, was Bound by Flash about... Yeah. Daisy and Violet Hilton, a live show that was on Broadway, uh, Chinese twins that were freaks in the circus, I just circus vaudeville, who also were huge stars. I mean, they made more money than anybody at the time. They literally, their guardians, would bring home sacks of cash, which they never saw, you know, because they were, they were, uh, well, you know, uh, kind of locked in a house, right? Not allowed out, not allowed to have a life until so they eventually, because they were so naive, somehow got an attorney and got their freedom. And then they were stars for years and years and years.
1: That's amazing. And again, those are names that the average American doesn't know.
2: Yeah, but in the twenties, they were. Then there was so much footage on them. I was. Thrilled to find it, and you know, they were always advertising something or um, on a news reel. They did the movie Freaks, which is just an iconic movie now, a cult classic. Um, and then they ended up, you know, best to poor. And, and I really wanted. I went back to where they died, and I wanted to know what their days were like. They were because again, you look at that as somebody you go, Oh, that's a freak. That's a Chinese twin. But, I want, but they were women and they got married and there was a child. And so you want to know, like, who were they?
1: Right, who they were. So with the child, are there living descendants right now?
2: There Probably. Um, okay. They gave it up for adoption in, I think, Minnesota, which has closed records. Um, so as long as that child had children yes there would be
1: but it's not like you're in touch with them or they have any story to
2: tell no not at all because they were never with them i was in touch with their godmother goddaughter they were the godmother of this woman okay and she had great stories because she she was you know was one of the only ones who ever saw them at their young period of time way back when in texas
1: That's amazing. Now, you're a performer now, you're an actress, you're, you know, a documentarian, you're an author, you are in this performing world that is similar to the performing world that some of these women from the past were also in. We're all hearing, you know, so much about the different abuses of power against women right now that are coming to light. Back then, can you speak a little bit to some of the abuses of power that women faced and what, if anything, were they able to do about it?
2: Well, um, what's interesting about burlesque, and none of them ever talked about it, I'm sure there was, you know, pats on the, you know, fanny and whatever. Um, but burlesque was a very for a woman, especially then once you climbed higher as a star, it was your your production. I mean, you came in and you told whatever show you were in, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm wearing, here's my music, let's go. And and so you weren't beholding on anybody to get a job. And because it was such a big industry, you could get a job. I mean, there was theaters, there was the circuit, there's all kinds of things. Now, did, did stuff go on? Possibly. They never talked about it. I I think they, you know, tried to keep their nose clean. A lot of the shows were very family oriented. So you would have couples on them. There would be kids backstage sometimes. Um, You know, I I can't speak about it because when I interviewed them, it was way before all this, you know, Me Too came up. So I didn't ask, but there was never any stories of that.
1: Yeah, interesting.
2: Sometimes I've wondered,
1: and, and I'm basing this on nothing except a feel. Sometimes I've wondered if we as women sometimes had more power, like in the 20s and 30s. And well, then we did in films, look
2: at the films of like Joan Crawford. You know, they were it was women who were going to the films and they were making films for women. I don't know how it ever got away from that at all. Yeah. We're still here and we still want to see those kind of movies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know my grandmother's stories of the 40s. She was way more empowered in the 40s than she was in the 50s or the 60s. So yeah. I'm not quite sure. About-
2: well, you know, partly off of the 40s, you have to think, you know, a lot of the men went off to war. So women were were picking up a certain you know, amount of work and taking care of things and had that kind of independence, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it goes back to, oh, well, I'm home and I'll take the job now.
1: Yeah, so we kind of lost some ground in a way. So after the Bound by Flesh and the documentary, then what was the next book that came out?
2: Uh, my most recent is Shooting Fan Dancers about Sally Rand and Faith Bacon. Yes. And I was just obsessed by Faith Bacon for so long. And I just couldn't find out very much about her. I wrote uh, just a, a small chapter in, in Behind the Queue. And I just really wanted to know more about her. I think I found that almost, I won't say everything there is to know, but everything that, that can be found, it wasn't enough for a book. And I, and I really saw how Sally ran, how they both impacted each other's lives. And so that was my, my uh, most current book. It's about their, you know, that's really the third reason they came to big fame all doing the fan dance and how, you know, talk about how much freedom and empowerment they had, you know, they were huge stars, especially Sally. Um, And she could really call her own shots, although she worked really, really hard Mm -hmm. and nonstop till, you know, she was 70 something. Right. Which is incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just taking that title, you know, feuding fan dances and comparing it and contrasting it to what we started the show with, lifting other women up, telling other people's stories. Do you feel like there was a lot of competition in
2: general in that yeah. whole? Definitely. It's also I think people weren't taught, girls weren't taught what we're trying to teach now. Is You know, that's not your enemy. Um I think there was a lot of competition. They would Sally and Faith would play at a lot of the same theaters. You know, this one this week and this one the next week. And so I think there's always the fear, of, you know, oh she's going to get the job and they're only going to have one of us. Uh, there was a lot of in Burlesque, Don't look at my act. I always found incredible that they didn't see each other's acts. But you're you're backstage and no, you're not running around the audience. So there was. I think I think it's just a fear that there's not enough. Mm-hmm. she's going to take what i have.
1: And do you feel like that has changed for the most part across the board with women today? I think
2: so, or it certainly is changing. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's better, it's more powerful it, together than trying to just do it separate.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And i like how we're talking about, you know, with the acts, there there's a lot that you can do with fans, but to a certain extent a fan is a fan is a fan. There's a lot you can do with gloves, but not that much.
2: Right, so there... exactly. So it was very like, you know, this is what I do, and this is what I'm known for, and this is what I'm getting paid for. You know, but there was a time when there were fan dancers everywhere. When, when, when Sally played at the um, Chicago World Fair in 33 and 34, and then Faith came back in 34 also, there were schools of fan dancing popping up all over the place. You know, so there was really, that's when they were really butting heads about, you know, I'm the original, I'm the original, I'm the original, you know, because one of them is going to be the star and get the publicity and Sally was better at promotion than Faith ever was.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting like that, who can be better versus who can promote better. It's
2: Exactly. They're just different things. And again,
1: that's the story. You know, that's the story. You're telling the story through the fans. You're telling the story through promotion. In a way, it's just a different way to express voice.
2: Yeah, and they were stories. They were there what they were expressing. And they would create different dances about it. And it is. It's like, that's what, you know, I also am going to start talking to some dancers on my um, Instagram thing about how they tell a story. You know, so oh, just we that. realize, oh, you know, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do this, but you can tell your story somehow.
1: Right. Absolutely. And even you shared uh, the, the last video I saw, you had shared a singer-songwriter. She's yeah. sharing her story through her music. It, it doesn't have to be yeah. written. So talk a little bit more, if you would, about the book that you're working on right now and how that, how that. A little. Uh,
2: it's just, you know, it's somebody that um, will be my definitely most, scandalous person, definitely misunderstood. Her history has only been written by men and through their point of view of really disdain. Um, you know, what it's hard, you know. Yeah. Every day, he does.
1: Yeah. No, that is so important. And what you said, her story has only been told by men. That is such I a... I mean,
2: tr- just disdainfully. Just you know, with no of why or what does it mean it's just you know so dismissive yeah you've used
1: the word dismissive a couple of times and it's such a powerful word and so many women are dismissed at home at work in the entertainment industry that's just a very powerful word and I appreciate that you are reaching back through time and lifting women up I was wondering if you had any advice for any of the listeners listening today, either for themselves or for their daughters, on how not to be dismissed.
2: You know, five, as I'm trying to do with this stories, you know, find your voice and tell it. And maybe one person listens, maybe five will. Just start to find the community and what's important to you. And if you if you can't find your voice right now, just maybe then listen to other people's voices and see what you can hook into like oh I like that story oh I like that that moves me I get that and then your stuff will come up more
1: I like that because I think many people fall into the trap of thinking I don't have anything to say right or I'm
2: not interesting enough nothing like that happened to me oh that's not dramatic but it's like well it doesn't have to be I mean I don't want a dramatic life whatsoever no no exactly (laughs) I've had enough of that but you know I could be passionate about something else or someone else's story that that you want to reveal or you want to get to know or whatever moves you in a certain way
1: I love that where else can listeners learn more about you or your books I want to do because we're kind of at the halfway mark here and I want to make sure people know where they can find you where they can find your documentaries, your books learn more about you
2: I think everything's on Amazon. Everything's on iTunes. They're all streaming. Um, I have a website under my name, Leslie Zemeckis, and that's all my all my social media is under my name. So it's nothing clever. It's just me. So that's where they can find anything. Perfect. And we're going to pause just
1: for a moment here for a commercial. And then when we come back, we are going to have more Leslie Zemeckis telling the stories of women, sharing her own story, and hopefully empowering you right now, today, when you're done with the show, to find somebody else's voice, to find somebody else's story, and to share it, to just lift them up and share them their story, their work, their music, their dance, whatever it is with the world. So with that, we will be right
0: back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra. Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back with the incredible Leslie Zemeckis,
1: author of several best selling books, documentarian, actress burlesque, lover, performer, and overall (laughs) do-gooder. Welcome back, Leslie. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Thank you. I'd like to move into a little bit of your story for the second half of the show. So listeners can start knowing who you are behind the crown,
2: behind yeah. the glitter. I've worn, worn those little tiaras on your website, all the things you like. And i was like, oh yeah, we like flamingos, we like leopard print, we like tiaras.
1: It's all good. I know all the really? girly fun stuff. I love it. <laughs> So this show is Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. And I think Leslie has definitely built her dreams. And I know that she lives her sparkle every day. And living your sparkle basically means not allowing other people to dismiss you. It means being who you are, doing what you love, supporting other people in being who they are and doing what they love too, especially when those people are being shut down. Down. It's using your voice to help them raise. One of the
2: one of the biggest lessons um, that I found so interesting. My my last documentary is called Mabel Mabel Tiger Trainer. Yes. And I had been um, again obsessed by this woman, Mabel Stark, for so long. I had heard that she worked with tigers, and this is that she started in 1911, 1914, somewhere around there. And She was billed as the world's first female tiger trainer. And I thought, wow, what kind of courage must that take? So I thought, you know, because I would never do it. I would never get in a ring with one tiger, let alone 12. I could just kill you in two seconds. And so I thought, I'm going to go do this documentary. And what's interesting, it, it came to be, which my... Actually, all the movies are, but especially Bound by Flesh and this, that it was about love. She loved those tigers. She didn't, it wasn't, she, it, she wasn't courageous per se. It's just she loved them and was completely compelled to work with them. And what I, I what I learned, what I loved about her, which is made me think about her, because what you were talking about, not doing something, not not doing something to come because somebody says you shouldn't or make fun of it. At the time, she and she, the circus is very, um, you need to really be born into a family of generations of circus. Generally, that's how it is. She had nobody. She had run away from home. She had an abusive home. But she manages to get to, um, and she started out dancing in the coots, which is how I found out about her. So she was doing some sort of like burlesque dance dance she was in Venice, California, and the Algae Barn Circus was wintering there. She walked into this area where there was a tiger, and she looked at it and was like, I'm going to work with tigers, which I can tell you, within, in person, they are super mesmerizing. I still wouldn't go in a cage. I did with a yeah. little baby. But I I understood it, but only by being with them in person, and at the time, there there was some women acts, but women were like still at that time, the very sexy, pretty act, or they were the assistants. So she said to everybody, you know, no, I want to work with tigers, or I want to work with the cats. And I'm like, you know, women don't do that. And she said, that's all I needed was somebody to tell me that. And I think within three weeks, she had worked up an act. She's like, here's my act. You
0: I know, love that. I was like,
2: don't you tell me I can't. And that's, you know, her whole career. So when she's 50, 60, 70, it's like, who's that old woman? You know, don't tell me. I'm still in here. Right. Just that absolute need. And that's what she loved. And that's what she desired. And, you know, nobody was going to stop her. And you just think, yeah, you know, because, you know, life's so short. Yes. And she didn't have anybody supporting her, helping her. You know, she had come from this terrible family. So it's like to take that away or deny something that she really wanted to do or love, if she had, you know, caved to that, would have been really sad. I mean, she had a super fulfilling life for her, for what she wanted to do. And she was happy. She loved it. Yeah. Oh, my God. She loved tigers way more than, the you know, four or five men she married or anybody else. She was very, you know... <laughs> I don't want to generalize, but cat people are different, and I mean big cat people. You know, I, I interviewed uh, mostly current female or, or former female tiger trainers because I wanted, because Mabel wasn't around anymore when I did the documentary, but I wanted their point of view of what it was like as a woman, and it was always, you know, oh, you should use a little pretty one or this, but they wanted to do this, hmm. very much so. That's really and I, interesting. And then I put cameras on the trainers so the audience would, you know, in the cage so that they would see what they were seeing because I really wanted to know what that's about instead of just, oh, yeah, here they are doing their act. It's like, no, what What was it like to get almost, you know, gutted as one woman says and, and the fear of that, but knowing it's never the cat's fault. That's intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Mabel was literally scarred from head to toe. And it was never um, the cat's fault. She never became fearful of it. It's just what she did, just a complete different mindset.
1: It is a different mindset. And you're right, it does have to do with passion. She was called to do that. And that is Absolutely. something, yeah, if you're not called to do,
2: you can't fake it. Yeah, can you imagine? No, I mean it's so funny. Her first, they weren't. It wasn't her husband at the time, but the when she joined the circus and said, "I want to do this." The male um, cat trainer was like, "Oh, you want to do this?" Or go in the ring and he gave her a couple uh, lions. He lived, <laughs> but it was very much you know. And that's another thing. It's it's all you know. It's this era of early pop entertainment that you can't do today was, you know no. the regulations and then nobody was asking her who she was and people were running away literally and they did join the circus there was this freedom and she wasn't born mabel stark it's name she's gone and this persona and just being able to again create this person you want to be there's so
1: much magic in that yeah mm-hmm. there They're is not so
2: completely gone
1: no absolutely yeah. Well, what about you? What about you know, Leslie? I talk about the five steps of flaunt, and the first one being find your fetish, and that's absolutely what Mabel did. What what is, what is the fetish that you're finding? Is it telling stories? Is it
2: okay? okay. Cause it's all telling stories, whether it's the book or acting or um, e- social media. Even it's like what kind of stories can I tell and you know a lot of them are just stupid about me oh carrying them in my tiara but then you know you can also flip and like look at this amazing person that you never heard of from 19 whatever right you
1: know, you know like, I, I'm following back on hey look at me in my tiara that's an amazing story because we need to have fun too uh, to be a worthy woman okay. Yeah, we can have fun. I mean, here I am in my glittery caftan that I've been wearing at the beach all day because it's fun and it's important yeah. to be fun. And that's and why because you can be worthy hanging out in a tiara and you shouldn't be because you're you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you
2: know, I, you know, I, I'm not interested in cookie cutter subjects that I write about, nor do I want to be one.
1: No, not at all. And that kind of goes to that next point, that next letter of flaunt, which is the L, and that's laugh out loud. What keeps you going? What makes you happy? Where is that humor? Where is that laughing out loud in your world, in your heart? Uh,
2: definitely my friends and my crazy children who are listening to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I have great, I have great friends, of course. I've only seen like two of them for the past many months. Uh, But generally, I know know, having that time doing things, going to parties, whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. Having fun. And
2: also, I've worked with the same people, two really good friends on all my films. It's like having that bond and having fun through hard work.
1: Right. Right. And shared passion, mutual passion. It's yeah. Yeah, because I know for me, when I'm doing something and I'm doing work and it's a good, hard work, and when I'm working with other people and we're all passionate about it, yes, it's work, but it's also enjoyable.
2: Yeah,
1: so much fun. Well, the next thing that I wanted to ask you about is that golden center of flaunt, which is AU accept unconditionally. And it's really challenging sometimes to accept both ourselves and other people and the situation unconditionally. And when you were talking about Mabel, She decided to do it. She did not accept unconditionally. She said, what do you mean a woman can't do this? I'm going to do this. And she challenged that. There's that tension between creating peace within yourself and saying, you know what? I can't change the fact that coronavirus is ravaging our nation. So I can be calm about that. But I can also not accept certain things. Talk a little bit about that balance in your life and your work.
2: Well, I've been lucky to... And my, my first documentaries, just go do them myself. Uh, and I actually, I think for the first two, I made, um, sizzle reels, like 20 minutes of like, this is what the film's gonna look like. Went around, pitched it to everybody, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so then I just, exactly. So I just made it. And, you know, then it became these big things. So I've been lucky that I could do that. Um but it's also I think you have to find a way. I mean nobody ever said, Oh that's wow, that's so great. I here will help you at all. Right. You know, so you just gotta do it. I mean, you, you hear a lot of no's, but I don't even hear no anymore at all because it's you know, I just don't hear it.
1: Because it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> no, it's like, well, okay, well I am gonna do it and I am gonna get it on showtime and they are gonna renew it, which they never do and it is going to get all these great reviews, and there
1: you go. I love that. And that leads right into that next point, that next step, which is N, and that's for navigate the negative. And I am a huge believer in the power of navigation. Just like you said, no is not a thing. It's not this way, but it's not a thing.
2: No, there's a million different ways, and you just – sometimes the timing's not right, um, but everybody – you know, that I wanted to interview, except for one man who didn't matter. He was so grumpy. I'm glad I never interviewed him, but nobody ever eventually said no. I mean, there was sometimes, you know, Sherry Britton, who was the big stripper in the forties in New York, (coughs) beautiful woman, 80, I think 88 or 89 when I first met her, but I had to call her for six months. I had to write her letters. I sent her pictures of my children, um, She's like, no, I don't want to be on camera. I was like, I won't put you on camera. I'll just do audio of you. I mean, it was just, and then I eventually got her and she became a great friend and I actually have our whole collection now, you know, became close with the family. Um, but there's just like, no, no, you can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, you also have to do it. I don't think anybody is just my subject. They, they really do stay in my life forever. You know, I've been to so many, you know, funerals and memorials and, and sat on on beds holding hands while somebody, you know, said they didn't want to live anymore. You know, that you just have to have them in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you care. Yeah, because
1: yeah, exactly. it's your passion and it, yeah. you're telling the story. You're not just like, yeah, well, done. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I got to go
2: and I got to go make another film. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have any tips or wisdom to share about staying positive when things are difficult? Because not only in your life, you've had to you know, navigate, but a lot of the women that you've interviewed, they have also been confronted with a lot. And do you have any wisdom to share about how to keep on keeping on?
2: I just think use whatever, you know, if you, makes it, you feel down, which is harder, but if it makes you feel anger, which is always a great motivation you best. You don't deny that's it, what you're feeling, but if I know I am going to do that, I know how hard it is, or I'm going to go for, you know, I don't meditate or do any of those things that you're supposed to do. It's just, it just sounds so frustrating to me, but there's got to be something that you can do that can make you feel better in that moment. And then you just, you just go forward, like you write and you don't want to write and somebody tells you that's awful or you just keep doing it. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really no other choice.
1: And I think that is the favorite thing. One of my favorite things that you've said that you don't meditate or do anything that you're supposed to do because I am a huge believer and we don't have to do what we're supposed to do. We have to do what feels good for us.
2: Right. Yeah. And you've got to kind of know that and then maybe you'll explore that later. Maybe you won't, but mm -hmm. we're all different.
1: Exactly. And that goes right into that last T of flaunt, which is trust in your truth. I know what I need. I know who I resonate with, what my passions are, what I want, I want to accomplish. I'm the only person that knows that. And you're the only person that knows that about you as well. And right. it doesn't matter. Yeah, we can talk to are blue in the face. We have to trust ourselves. And I think all of these women's stories you have told probably felt a similar calling inside that this is who I am. This is what I want. And it doesn't matter what you think or don't think about it.
2: Oh, and they would like come up with crazy kind of sometimes stupid acts. They didn't but you know what? They had fun doing it. I talked to Blaze Star who was so great. She talked uh she sounded like a nineteen year old, a very sexy nineteen year old honestly, you know, she was I don't know, seventy or something. And I she she had this act, you know, she told me all about it and I opened up the peach can and I put some this in it and I you know the the couch burst into fire on stage, but it was just like using her creativity, how she wanted to do it. It was hilarious. I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And this works for you. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, what about you and your truth going forward? What do you know for sure about you and your truth and what you need to get out?
2: Well, I know that I'll keep, um, telling stories, books like a film, and books, and just kind of opening myself to maybe other subjects that I wouldn't normally. That's why I read a lot, so I can, like, fill myself up when I'm writing, and I'm I'm filming. Reading fills me up. It gives me ideas. It introduces me to other other people, other times, other places, so... I think as mm. long as we're always filling ourselves up with something that's positive and smart, yes, that'll help you through.
1: Yes. Do you have a favorite genre of reading?
2: Um, I like nonfiction, but I read everything. I mean, I certainly do read a lot of fiction, but just because I write mostly nonfiction, um, although my next one's fiction, I uh, read a lot of nonfiction.
1: Yeah, I, I think reading is amazing. And then speaking of reading, I know you have got an offer that you are making to book clubs who are interested in reading some of your work. Would you yeah. like to talk a
2: little bit about that? Of course. I've been popping on um, through Zoom or Skype or whatever the current one is, you know, popping um, on and um, meeting with them and, and chatting with the group about the books or the films. Like I've done a couple of film ones.
1: Isn't that fun? So what, what surprised yeah. you about that?
2: Or has there been
1: anything that surprises you?
2: I don't know it surprises me, but it's just like wow that you can do this, you know? Or like you six can be over there, or you know, nowadays it's all well, Zoom, everybody's separate, but you can still have a communal experience and an exchange. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then do you find most people to be I mean this this sounds judgmental in a way, but do you find most people to be similar? you know, passionate that they're wanting to get stories out, or have you been surprised at yes, the diversity? You know,
2: you know, some people, you know, I mean, it's really disheartening to see how many people don't read, you know. Uh, so I'm really trying to push that, that, you know, I mean, you can find, you don't have to have four hours to read because hardly anybody does. You know, you can just do it in increments and I, I know it's hard to put down the phone, but you can, you know, I, I think it's just everything. Gosh,
1: yeah, it absolutely is.
2: And then before we wrap up, I want to come right back to your
1: empowerment challenge, challenging everybody to share somebody
2: yes. Yes. else. About another artist, uh, writer, uh, singer, um, somebody who's making the world better that you just want to highlight and, you know, then challenge your feed for all, everybody else to do it. So it just fills up. It's not just what we're doing or what politics is. Like, look at this amazing person.
1: Absolutely. And do you have any hashtags or challenges or, you know, things that people can comment on that? Or is that just literally for yeah. everybody to do? Yeah, I don't. Perfect. That's Hashtag wonderful. me. <laughs> No, that's phenomenal. Thank you. That has inspired me so much. And that's why I wanted to share you today, because I know about you through burlesque, but I figured so much of my audience doesn't know about your work. They don't know these stories. These are stories that need to be told. These are stories from the past, but you're also telling stories right now through your challenge. So thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. And do you have any other words of wisdom that you would like to leave listeners with today?
2: Uh, This year will be over. We
1: will all make it. Yes. Yes, we will. Well, listeners, you will make it. You heard Leslie and she doesn't lie. I'd like to leave you with a concept of stories, your own stories, stories from maybe ancestors in your own family, stories that you maybe have heard through books, through movies, through writing, through song. I'd like you to just challenge yourself to share somebody else's story on your social media this week have an amazing week leslie thank you again thank for you. being here okay
2: appreciate it.
1: you're welcome you. and reach out leslie all of her books on amazon netflix all of that great stuff have an incredible story field week and as gotcha. usual, don't yeah. forget to flaunt
0: Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7am and 7pm Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now come find your fetish laugh out loud accept unconditionally navigate the negative and trust in your truth find out more and get your free gift at com. that's l-o-r-a-c-h-e-a-d-l-e.com